Welcome to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We are a life-giving church for everyone. We are multi-generational, multicultural, and exist to multiply by reaching our community both locally and globally with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that this message helps you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, um, being that it is Father's Day, this is, um, in my house, I love it. This is, this is just such a great, great day. Um, I love Father's Day so much because uh, many of you know my story, but um, I kind of came up with a dad and then not a dad, and then kind of with a dad and then, and then not a dad. Um, and so it was kind of on and off growing up my whole life. And um, I know what it's like to be a single parent child. And, um, you know, I got my stepdad. He came along at about 15 and a half, almost 16 years old. And, uh, and he's still my dad till this day. Uh, parents have been married for well over 25 years. And um, I'm grateful and I'm thankful for him. Um, I say all that to say, no matter where you're at as a, as a father, I can, I can relate to where you are. Um, I love Father's Day because this is a time where I'm like, you know what, there's some things that I lacked coming up, but now I've been able to see, and I'm going to try to do my very best to be, what my, to be for my children what maybe I lacked in my upbringing, if that makes any sense. And so um, today... We have a couple of fathers who are going to come up, and um, they share similar experiences. Uh, some of them have knows, know what it's like to not have their father, um, maybe experienced divorce, and they just have different backgrounds, different perspectives, different outlooks on life. And um, what I'm praying is that today, God would use their story, He would use their experience to encourage you today. Um, So wherever you may be, I'm praying that the Spirit of God would use their experience to encourage you. Um, Maybe there's an area where you may lack or you may be struggling as as a daddy, as as a step-daddy, as a male role model, a male figure. Um, Wherever you're at, The prayer is that the Spirit of God would use these men to speak to you and to encourage you. And ladies, you're not out. We're not leaving you out either. I'm praying that um, you would also be encouraged in hearing this uh, from what these gentlemen have to say. And uh, we've been praying, and I've prayed, and I just feel good about these four men. They're men of God. Uh, They all serve here at Gen Life. Um, I I guess I can give them the formal introduction. You know, the husband of one wife. Uh, That's kind of like how most conferences welcome their speakers. Husband of one wife, men of God, serve in their church, faithful, awesome. They're incredible. They're loving. Some of them have even coached sports. I mean, they, they've done all kinds of stuff. But um, if you would welcome to the stage, I would like to invite Jim Hickox. Would you put your hands together? I want to welcome Travis Faust to the stage, if you would. Can you put your hands together for Jeremy Peterson? And would you also put your hands together for Charlie Lopez? Hey, let's say a prayer, gentlemen. Father, we thank you for these men of God right here, Lord. Uh, We thank you for the word that you've deposited into their heart. 
Lord, today we want to pray that um, you would speak to us, Lord, through their experience and, uh, and through what you have prepared for them to share. Lord, may you give us the ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Uh, Lord, may we leave knowing that we are loved by you through the sharing of their words today. And we ask this now in the name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you in advance, Lord, for speaking to us. Amen and amen. Hey, one more time for our speakers, everybody. Do you want me to take that one? Okay. Well, good morning. Great to be here in, with friends and family. And uh, I wanted to ask Keith a question before he got away, because I don't know if it happens to him, but about 3 o'clock this morning, uh, I was awakened and told, don't speak on what you've got planned. That, that's not you. I want you to give your testimony. And each of us has a testimony, and each of us can speak to people in their own unique way. And, and God was telling me that there's somebody here that needs to hear my message said my way. So I'm going to revise it. And I haven't heard this message either. Let's all figure out what happens later, okay? Um, I wanted to uh, start with first with uh, Psalm 103:13. The Lord is like a compassionate father to those who fear him. A father cares deeply about the suffering and misfortune of his children. He is concerned for them and desires to help make things right. It's easy to think that God is off far removed from where we are and working on much bigger problems than we have. But here the psalmist says that the father's compassion for his children is a picture of God's compassion for us. And uh, I'd like to ask you, if you would not, to join me in the Wayback Machine. Uh, I am going to take you back and tell you the story of my parents. And uh, my mom, uh, in a couple of weeks from now, would be 112. So you can imagine this is a vintage story. For some perspective, the Titanic had not sailed yet when my mother was born. And Kaiser Wilhelm had about another three years to go before he was assassinated and World War I started. So this is a very different setting than we're used to. Um, my mother grew up in eastern Kansas, and she was on a farm. And she had uh, brothers and sisters there on the farm with them. And they experienced uh, going through the beginning of the Depression, and if you recall the Dust Bowl, and it wiped out their, their farm, and they had to move into the city, the big city of Emporia, Kansas. And there in Emporia, Kansas, there was a hardware store that was run by James Otto Hickox. And he had this very uh, lean and spirited boy named Lawrence Spencer Hickox, who went by the name of Bill, can you imagine? Um, and uh, so anyway, they, they uh, got along quite nicely. And they were married shortly thereafter. And this was just before the beginning of World War II. And come World War II, uh, he enlisted in the Navy and they relocated him to the coast. That works well. And then he uh, served uh, through that war. Following the war, and uh, then they settled in San Diego. And you can imagine, if you think of that string of things that they've endured that's so different than anything we've ever experienced, well, of course, that was going to shape them. So my sister and I were born um, just before my mother turned 40. And uh, 
she uh, was an avid churchgoer. So the beginning of my experience in church was that very Methodist, stiff, brimstone, uh, stained glass and uh, robes on the choirs kind of thing. Uh, when we would leave the church, we would never again speak of what took place there. It was this random two hours a week that uh, we would all you know, go and do that and get all dressed up and then we would go home and uh, then we'd just fall back into our lives. And as a kid, you're kind of wondering, what was that all about? Um, it wasn't too long before my father decided that uh, this really wasn't for him and he started fading back into that common role of being a uh, Christmas and Easter attender. Um, my mother continued actively to go and she would take me and it wasn't long before I was the kid uh, getting in trouble for taking off his cufflinks and his tie in the parking lot before we got to the car. Um, so anyway, we've now got ourselves into a, a parenting style comparison. Um, they were a hardworking people and of course after going through the depression they paid cash for everything and uh, you know if you didn't have it you didn't buy it. Um, and they were also not into child psychology as uh, many of you of my vintage uh, are well aware. Um, I would uh, think the only real mention of the Bible in our household was when we would receive Christmas cards from my Uncle Don who would write Bible verses in them, which would anger my father. He uh, could not stand the, the thought of you know, having these people be pushy Christians on us. And my mom had at that point uh, decided that for the truce of the household, she wouldn't say anything about it. So he wasn't invited and we, we never really crossed paths all that much. My mom was the family organizer. She was the, the social gatherer of the clan and the, the honey of the relationship. And my dad was the vinegar. He was a guy who would begrudgingly set things up. He was secretly enjoying himself, but he didn't let people on. Um, he uh, was, uh, after the Navy, he served for 20 years, then he went into civil service for another 10, and he worked on large uh, aircraft uh, engines. And uh, that, you know, this is pre-OSHA, so this is, uh, his hearing was going quickly. So he became rather loud, and uh, probably the six ounces of bourbon per night did not uh, make him any quieter. Um, so this was the kind of guy that uh, he, was, he was not a teacher, he was a doer. He was a craftsman, he had a garage full of tools, but I could never drive a nail in front of him, because uh, it just, you know, I was intimidated by the man. Um, if I ever asked him for permission to do something, and if he said no, uh, any attempt to ask why would be met by because I said so. So he was just saying, you know, you, some of you know those dads. That's the way they were. Um, 2 Samuel 7:14, The steadfast love of the father will not depart from him. God is the only perfect father, but the way he loves his children is a model for every father who uh, should aspire toward it. While in college, we had a quarrel and uh, he pointed to the door. Um, we, what followed that was three years of mutual silence. Then my mom was diagnosed with cancer and I determined that I would end that family separation for her sake 
and we had 10 more years that we were given as a family. The first Christmas after she passed, I went and stayed with him for two weeks, just so he wouldn't be alone. We didn't talk very much, but I knew that he appreciated it. I hugged him when I left, and he lasted for another two years. And he was a kind of a Navy man who put the flag out every morning and took it in every evening. Uh, and then one day he did not take it in. So my neighbor went and checked on him and he had had a stroke. Um, I am grateful to him. Um, they, he provided well. There was great stability, there was great structure. There was no doubt that he loved my mom. I remember him as a man who quietly cared, but was a very poor communicator. And in clearing out the house, something very unusual happened. I found my mom's Bible, and inside it was a note to me saying, Jim, I can't wait to see you. And that was kind of confusing for me. Um, what did that mean? When, when did she write that? It was quite a while before I got an answer. And it was only two months later that I had my first date with Diane. Um, this was a reward, no doubt. Uh, her son, Jason, was 14 at the time, and we connected through sports. And he was and is a very respectful kid. I became his uncle's dad in, as a mid-teenager. His nature has always been a reserved strength. That's just his personality less uh, attention. Diane and I married two years later, and we've had 35 wonderful years. And so this is a, a bit of comparisons, contrasts. Coming along with the deal with Diane was her dad, Bob Roy. And he had been the, the moral fiber that raised Jason. And uh, this was a storytelling truck driver. He was a master of ceremonies kind of guy. He gathered people. He loved it. And there was just, he was just a bundle of energy. He was a new example for me. He was a father who engaged, talked about personal things, and he listened. He was a joyful Christian. And I was a lucky man to have him as a dad for the next 17 years. Meanwhile, after five years of marriage, Diane and I have a second son, and his name is Ryan. Her charts, her med charts say it's her second only child. 21 years apart after son number one. So Jason, uh, very shortly after Ryan was born, departs. I think it had something to do with the crying in the next bedroom. Uh, it was time to go. But along with leaving the household, he also left the church. He said his peers were phonies, they were hypocrites, and maybe later we'll see. At that time, I had a traveling job, and I was on the road for another couple years after Ryan was born, so it was a weekend father routine for me for a bit. But Diane and I determined we're gonna pour into this son. We're gonna make sure we've sowed faithful seeds in his life. And he couldn't be more different than Jason. He is a gregarious type. He's an adventurous kid. He's a bear hug of a kid. Um, a quick story. At about 14, um, his best friend, James Mallard, gives my wife a call. And uh, they'd been longboarding down a steep hill. And he, he tells Diane, hey, mom. He always called him mom because he was hanging around with us all the time. Mom, it's okay 
the ambulance is already here. And so, well, you know, that, of course, solved all of our concerns. Um, that was his first concussion of several to come. Um, the, uh, the approach to Ryan was different. We decided, okay, Diane's gonna leave her full-time job and she's gonna homeschool him. So we homeschooled him from kindergarten through 12. And he was given every, every opportunity to be involved with church. And he ended up going on monthly mission trips down to Mexico when he was in youth band and youth group. And he was later on staff at Indian Hills Christian Camp as a counselor there. And then in his early 20s, he decides it's time for him to move on. And he leaves the church. And his new friends will accept him as he is. Both of my boys are hardworking and they're very capable. And somewhere, they also got stubborn. I don't know where that came from. So there, Diane and I are having an empty nest syndrome. We're kind of in flux. We're dealing with the worry of straying children and have we failed our role as parents? And uh, understand, we, we have close relationships with both of these boys. They're principled and reliable, and they're, they're, they're good guys. We've been with them through successes and trials. Our only current granddaughter that was here in, New, in North Carolina, and so we followed her <laughs> so we could start feeding into her life. And uh, this is where God brought us to be family. And here God began to speak to us and help us to understand our job both then and now. Proverbs 22.6, start children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Parenting isn't the only variable in how kids turn out, though. The father can't know what specific challenges their child may encounter on the path, and he can't control how his children will react. He can only start them on that path. Proverbs 14, 26, your faith will be a refuge for your children. When families face hardships, children look to their parents for reassurance, hope, and encouragement. We continue to be watched by them, even today. If a father respects and submits to God in all things, his faith will be a source of comfort for his children and help them to feel secure, regardless of what storms of life may bring against them. And that is true at any age. And the great verse we all know for dads of wandering children, Luke 15, 20. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The prodigal son is a powerful portrayal of a loving father. At times, children deeply wound their fathers. The ideal father humbles himself and doesn't allow his pain or frustration to overpower his love. And just like my mother, I can say confidently, I can't wait to see you. God has assured me in prayer that my mother knows I'm on the way. And he assures me that we have not labored in vain. That the when of it we don't know, but the seeds planted in them will grow again. And finally, there is still work to be done, Psalm 92:12. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just, he is my rock. We love you, Lord, and we love this house. And I thank you all for being family.
Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you, Jim. That was this man I've learned a lot from, I will say, in the men's ministry, and it's, it's been a huge blessing. Thank you. Um, I had maybe an unconventional uh, growing up with my father. Uh, many of you might have met him. He's come occasionally, and he's still around. Um, I grew up with a pastor as my father. Uh, this is a, a unique position as a young man. Uh, in my community specifically, um, it was not just unique in that he was a pastor, but it was also unique in that a lot of the people that I grew up with, saw, rode the bus with, were friends with. It was almost strange to me that my dad was around. And I was almost confused. I was like, well, why is my dad still around? No one else's father is still here. Some didn't even know who their fathers were. Um, my father and I and our family, I grew up in a, a small town uh, where my father had moved us probably two blocks away from where he grew up as a child. So I still went to school with kids of people who knew him, who knew them, who everyone knew, who cousins were there. And I could walk to my grandmother's, even though we didn't live in that neighborhood. <laughs> my father wanted me to, to experience some new things. And he made some very tough, strict choices with his life, especially in, in following God. That took him a completely different path than everyone who else was around him that he grew up with. Um, it was truly a miracle. And it was amazing. That's uh, all I can say. Um, the biggest thing that I noticed always about my father and, and still notice today are, are, are some very key features. One, my father had this strange ability to welcome in others. Uh, I had a sister and still do. And until I was 10, I had no idea that she was my stepsister. She looked very different than me. I'll put it that way. Completely. More like Jim or the, the gentleman on the other side of me. Still had no idea. Um, I just said, that's my sister. This, this was my point of view. Uh, my father had married my mother, and my sister was around three at the time. And he was just her father. And that was it. Uh, and it was amazing. Uh, I still, to this day, I think back, like, how did I not know that she was my stepsister? Nobody said anything. But it, it wasn't the way that our family went. Um, you were family. Additionally to that, and to this day, strangely enough, kids would just come to our house. And we would be like, you'd be like, who's this? Who's this sitting you talking to you, Dad, for two hours? He would just let kids come in our house. He was a father to the community. Um, this, this didn't dawn on me. You know, these things didn't really hit me until after I was much older. I was just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you know, you're all right. You're here. All right, bye, Dad. I'm going out to play, you know. I would do these things. He continued to do this. And, and he continued to do this even when, you know, DSS and CPS would call him up and say, we understand you're a pastor. We have a child. Would you mind watching them for tonight? And he would say, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. That's fine. It didn't matter. It'd be 2 o'clock in the morning. He'd drive. He'd go get them. 
the community began to understand what kind of a father he was and who he was. And one of those people became my brother and stayed with us for 10 years. And, you know, that was amazing. Again, I, I couldn't believe. These small things I didn't understand quite as a kid, but it's, I know it planted seeds and it started to grow in me. And so, you know, as I became older, I started to notice, again, the little things that, that your father does. Um, to this day, my father, if you start talking to him and you're a child or me, he'll stand there and listen. And I mean, he'll stand there and listen. And it might be two hours later and he'll stand there and listen till you're completely done. But I think this was a gift that God placed in him, uh, not only as someone who cares to counsel people and children and families, but to care and to bring in children because it wasn't the life that he had. Um, it wasn't quite as far back as Jim's experience, but it, it again didn't dawn on me that the struggles that he had gone through. And I would get these projects and, you know, you're in school and, you're, and your teachers go, oh, we're studying the civil rights. Ask your parents. I was like, what are they going to know about it? What are you talking about? I don't understand. No, no. They lived it, you know. Um, it's strange to think that I can say, hey, do you remember when schools desegregated? And he's like, yeah, I remember that. I was like, wow, really? Seemed like 100 years ago in my mind. Um, but it just became the kind of father that, that he wanted to be. You know, he saw this need in a community for kids to have fathers. Uh, and it's amazing because you fast forward and it turns out that when I found someone I wanted to marry, this was my road too. I ended up with a son who was five, who did not look like me, but that was okay. Because I, I always remember um, when my father-in-law asked, uh, when my second child, I had Lily, was born, he said, how does it feel to have a child? I said, it doesn't feel any different. He said, what do you mean? He said, how, do you, how does it feel to be, but you're a father for real now? I said, no, I was a father before. It's really what I believed. Because when they came into my family, they came into my family. That was family. And I would have done anything and still would to this day for any of my children. There's no difference. Um, it's just what I saw. <laughs> it's what I saw my father do. And I understood what that really meant, that it wasn't any different. It's, the, it's something I encourage every father, grandfather, or man out there, whether you have children or not, you can be a father to any child out there. And there are children looking like when I grew up because they didn't have a father or even know what that looked like. No idea. But if you are willing to just be there and listen, it will change their life. Even one time, it might be the only time that they talk to you. It will change their life forever. That being said, I have learned from my father a skill of listening. So when I now have a much older teenager who's about to go off to college, um, throughout his life, due to the struggles that he's had, as well as having, you know, 
issues with his birth father, who we have been constantly and will always say, please be a part of his life if you can. Um, due to some struggles, he's not always able to do that. But, you know, that causes a, a child stress. And children today, I know I had stress when I was a kid, but out of everything coming at them, I, I couldn't imagine. But I can tell you it would not be a rarity for me to walk in with my son who was very upset, in tears even perhaps, and frantic, and just sit down and stay there and say, whenever you're ready to talk, I'll talk. You might need to put dinner on. You might need to do work. You might need to get up very early the next day. There's always something that you will have to do. But take that time and consistently take that time. Because no matter what, they know that you are there for them. That time was there, that time was put out, it was given and it will always be given. I know that that time is always there from, from my father. If I called no matter where I was and he picked up the phone, he will just listen. It, it makes the biggest impact I can imagine. And I take that time and make sure and say, well, where are you with God right now? Let's think about it. You know, how, how are you feeling? How much time have you been spending with God as opposed to other things? It's always the question I ask. It's always the question my father would ask. I understand this is going on. It doesn't matter what it is. Grades are bad. You know, a friend, you know, might have gotten in a car accident. No matter what it is, it's important to say, how much time have you been spending with God? It will put things in a perspective and set it in a tone to start from the ground up. And I can be honest and, and say I can, in that time, if they tell me, you know, well, I've not been spending as much time this week, I know in my mind, well, maybe that's why it's been a harder week. But I can also say I've had weeks where I didn't spend as much time with God as I know I needed to. And this was the result and I understand, I'm here with you and God is always there with you. Even in this moment, this moment of distress when you feel like everything is out of control and it will come and you will fail and God will still be right there with you. And I love that part about God, it's amazing. I just wanna say, you know, uh, Ultimately, I, I want to leave everyone with this. Again, all fathers, grandfathers, fathers-to-be, or people who say, I will never be a father. You are. There's a child watching you somewhere who sees you, who said, excuse me, sir, in line. And you looked at them and said, that was amazing. Thank you for having the, the thought and the wherewithal to be patient. You know, especially I'll say this. I know it's a strange thing. We don't carry cash anymore. I always do it. I, I challenge every man here, carry cash. Dollar, 
$5. Please do this. Because something that used to happen to me when I was a child and my father would do, and I still do to this day, when I see a child exhibiting something that in this day and age, this world would tell us is exemplary, such as you looking at a child and saying, hey, can you wait just a minute and I'll be with you? And they wait. For you saying, hey, could you please help me pick this up and move it? And they do. Hey, um, I, I wanna tell you something. And they come over and they say, yes, sir, what can I do for you? Take a minute, tell them, I wanna bless you with this cash. It gets their attention. They're paying attention. They're like, wow, I had no idea what people will give you money for doing good things. This was a lesson that I didn't fully understand, even though I saw people do it as a child. Uh, I didn't fully understand it until I had my first, what we'll call, real job. Because, you know, my experience was you do the right thing because you do the right thing, and that is how our family was set. And we did the right thing, and we did the right thing, and we did the right thing, and it was permanent. Not a lot of rewards, often as a child, because no one tells you this. You know, you don't, you don't get it until you start that first job and you do the right thing. And they go, hey, you've been doing the right thing for a while. We'd like to promote you and give you more money. This was the most confusing concept to me. It really was, because as I said, I did the right thing a lot. And in my community, oh, I was martyred for it. Hey, let's go steal this. No, nah, I don't want to do that. Hey, let's go do this thing. No, nah, I don't want to do that. Hey, will you hold this in my car while I drive around the corner? Oh, I don't want to do that. I mean, I, I had firsthand experience. I'll never forget to, you know, forever. My father always told me, be careful who you let in your car. Because one of my first cousins let someone in his car. And that person said, hey, let's go over here. And they went over there. And that person shot out that car and killed someone. It's strange, and I never forgot it. I never forgot it. So it was a real experience, and growing up in that community, doing what was right, following God every day, not just Sundays, <laughs> not like the, the guys that were over on the corner who were also deacons sometimes. Um, didn't show a lot of reward. But I, I thank God so much for God in my life, that God used my father to impact not just my life, but the community. And I continue to try to do the same. And I will continue to try to teach my kids to. And every man in here can do it. I promise you. Please do. Thank you all. Hey, everybody. We good now? All right, there we go. Um, first, I just want to say that I just feel incredibly honored to be surrounded by three great men of God. Um, all of them have given just extraordinary gifts to this church body, um, whether it's just through blessing us, praying for us, supporting us, um, performing, and just giving incredible worship for us. Um, I just want to thank each of these men for, for what they've contributed to this church body. Um, my name is Jeremy Peterson. I'm a new father as of February to a beautiful baby girl, Millie Peterson. 
She is now four months old, and she is the most adorable, smiley, precious thing in my mind. Um, if you haven't seen how cute her smile is and just how adorable she is, you can check out these socks Chelsea got me. You see the baby <laughs> face on there? Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> oh. So ever, ever since she was born, I just fell in love with this child almost immediately. Um, but we all know that it is not all sunshine and rainbows taking care of a new baby. Sure not, sure not. <laughs> um, and especially when they're throwing fits or losing their minds in the wee hours of the morning, those can be very, very difficult times. Uh, Chelsea came to the rescue one morning when she heard me on the baby monitor. I was just running around, yammering. She thought I was just kind of talking to myself, running in circles. And I was praying to God, please, please give me patience and strength with this baby screaming in my face. Please, Lord, please help me. <laughs> um, it may have been just a tough morning for us. Uh, but, uh, but as challenging as some days and nights may be, I know in my heart of hearts that being a faithful, loving, guiding, constant gracious and compassionate father is vital for this child. And that is the call that God has placed on my life. When I tend to Millie and care for her whenever we're out and about, sometimes I get the, uh, the funny title of uh, you know, Mr. Mom. You might've heard that once or twice. Of course, it's a, it's a lighthearted joke, but uh, I will say that I will wear that title like a badge of honor because if being a constant in my child's life is being mom, then by all means, I will be Mr. Mom. And I will wear that proudly. Absolutely. And I will care for that child consistently and passionately until it's time for me to go home to be with the Lord. But I don't want to sit on this stage and sound uh, extremely or uh, excessively proud or self-important. Being that kind of parent is the goal for just about all of us. And it's easy for us to just sit on stage and express how good we want to be or verbalize how good we want to be. Um, But I know that being a dad is going to come with some very difficult challenges. Um, I know there are times where I will fail, I will falter, I will make some mistakes. Um, The the fact is there's only one perfect father, and that is God the Father. As fatherhood began with him, it was given to us as grace from above. He is the one father that makes no mistakes. Ultimately, Our earthly fathers will never be perfect, and they will make mistakes. It is no secret that in my teenage years, there were some mistakes my father made that required me, my brother, and my mother to seek out forgiveness. I was fortunate to have a loving, supportive father who was very present during my childhood and early adolescence. But unfortunately, um, there were marriage difficulties, there was infidelity in their marriage, and this did lead to a divorce. And ultimately, my father, living uh, halfway across the globe um, in the Philippines, um, remarried to a new wife. Uh, but he was, he was very good as a child. He may have traveled to, to the Philippines, to Argentina, all across the world for some months throughout the year. But whenever he was home, he had a very active role and very active presence in my life. And I had to forgive him for some of the difficulties my older brother and I faced and for how hurt my mother was um, having to face this and and be strong for me when it was only her and I at the house um, for my last two years of high school. Uh, My dad and I still communicate to this day, and uh, he's shown up for many big events in my life. But 
undoubtedly our relationship did change forever um, with him making this big move to the other side of the world. Forgiveness was critical to move forward after this event completely shook up our lives. There are many out there who may have a father who was even much more distant, uh, even completely even absent during their lives or may have hurt them so severely that they have a hard time finding forgiveness or may even think that forgiveness is unattainable. Unfortunately, this is all too common. I will say that holding a grudge, resentment, or anger in your heart will only hurt you and your mental health. It'll hurt your inner peace and ultimately your walk with Christ. You have to seek out forgiveness for yourself and most importantly, for your walk with the Lord. And that's even if you have not received a formal apology yourself. We know his word says, we must forgive as the Lord forgave you. That step is critical to find peace within ourselves and in our Father in heaven. As challenging as these earthly relationships can be for many of us, we can always look to our heavenly Father. Grudges, bitterness, and anger can all be powerful strongholds in our lives that ultimately hold us back from living our best lives in Christ. We must look to him as our first and our constant father, and we must actively and diligently work toward forgiveness. After about two years of it being just me and mom at the house during my later teenage years, she did find love again and remarry. Many of you have met Dave. Um, He and mom are able to come to our Going Public Sunday. Um, What many of you maybe don't know is that he and I butted heads quite a bit whenever I was a teenager, (laughs) just a little. (laughs) Um, Some of the uh, personal issues I had after the divorce caused me to make poor decisions as a teenager and a young adult, making it difficult for me to fully open up um, to people, which contributed to a strain on how open I was to accepting him as a stepfather. As some would say in the South, I was a little hard-headed. The Southern saying is I was a little too big for my britches. (laughs) Um, I was a little bit of a know-it-all. And although Dave certainly messed up from time to time, uh, I was hesitant to give him as much grace as I would have given my own blood relatives. I had always been resistant to refer to him as a father figure because I've always felt this allegiance to my own biological father and didn't think it was right to see anyone else Um, as holding a fatherly role in my life. Um, Like I said, I was a little bit of a know-it-all teenager. I thought he had nothing to teach me, Um, but little did I know uh, in 15 years, I would learn a lot from this man in helping us move a dozen times as young adults, in helping us with all of our uh, car maintenance issues, uh, things that break in our home, all of these things, Um, even contributing to my own college fund when uh, tuition became sky high. And thank God for him. He has demonstrated that fatherhood is about more than biology. Fatherhood is demonstrated in our actions and the importance we place on stepping up for our kids. As fathers, as fathers, we must prioritize our children. We absolutely have to step up. Though Dave and I definitely had our disagreements on several occasions, he demonstrated a willingness to step up when he was not obligated to. This is a key attribute of fatherhood and and even parenthood for that matter. Intentionality and how we prioritize our children's best interests and their needs. I've also been fortunate to have the perspective of several spiritual fathers here at Generation Life Church. 
men who have stood by us and have been prayer warriors for us during very challenging times. These spiritual fathers taught me the importance of modeling Christian life for our children and being faithful servants. Deuteronomy 6 speaks about impressing the decrees and commandments of God on your children, to impress these things on them and to talk about them at home and on the road, when you lie down and when you get up, essentially anywhere and any time of the day. This underscores a continuous, constant presence and a continuous, constant dialogue with our children. I do humbly admit that I've been a father for all of 16 weeks and some change. I am far from the most uh, seasoned dad up here uh, by a long shot. Uh, But I felt compelled to share uh, some important points of application, which I have learned from the father figures in my life. Number one, we must first look to our heavenly father and find peace in him. As God the father, he is the main one to whom we must seek guidance and determine what is right for our children. This means looking to his word and not the world for advice on how to raise your children, to pray over them, doing everything you can to point them to the Lord and having peace in the Lord doing the rest. Number two, as fathers, we need to redefine and refine the role of fatherhood in our society. Earlier, I mentioned the joking commentary of Mr. Mom. Um, we know there's this kind of silly misconception that when, uh, when the dad's at home with his baby, he's uh, babysitting the child. He's the, he's the babysitter. Um, I just want to say this very important point. Dads are not babysitters. When someone calls you one, you ought to correct them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when someone asks, are you babysitting today? You say, no, I am enjoying time with my child as their father, fulfilling my vital role that God gave me. It might seem like a little bit of semantics, but it is slowly changing this societal viewpoint that fathers are only second string parents that tolerate their children. Number three, we must be open to forgiveness. To have the best experience of fatherhood, you have to be open to forgiveness. This may mean forgiving the father figure in your life who may never have given you a formal apology. Um, Maybe even forgiving yourself for the times that you faltered as a father or as a parent so that you can move forward to be the best parent for your child instead of living in a regret cycle. Number four, we need to intentionally prioritize our children. The role of fatherhood, like I said before, is not based solely on biology. It is the actions and intentionality for stepping up when your kid needs you. Not only when it's convenient and not only stepping up whenever we feel cornered or coerced or as a means to show the world how good we are. Like I said before, fathers are not second string parents. They're not babysitters. We must step up and take an active role with pure and genuine intentions for the child and for fulfilling the role that God has given us. Number five, we must serve as Christian role models by purposefully walking in faith and serving God. This lays the foundation for encouraging lives of following Christ and serving his people as our kids grow older and gives our children a blueprint for how to go about their lives as adults. I have learned much from the spiritual fathers of this church, actually some of them men on stage here, I might, might add, um, They have just shown what uh, truly being the hands and feet of Jesus means. 
men who have stepped up to build ramps and complete home repairs for those in need. Um, I was fortunately able to contribute a, a little bit to some of those endeavors, but I'll be the first to say I am not Bob the Builder. I'm not a handyman. We got guys like Jim over here. We got the Justin Corwins of the world. We got fortunately the much more handy men that I can at least, you know, pass the tools to, hold things up for, give them a little hand when I can, do what I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I also learned from watching our pastor who has given us a great example of raising his children to walk with Christ and to be servants for the Lord. He and his wife have raised children who proudly pray for their church family and stand in the gap for this community. I would be so happy and so proud to emulate that in our own family. Lastly, but most importantly, uh, we must follow, to follow his word, we must also be present. The Bible describes the father figure as one who impresses God's word on his children at all times, a constant, continuous presence and constant, continuous dialogue. The Bible describes a father as one who was the first uh, teacher in their life and the one who was an active disciplinarian, but also gentle and loving while raising them to love God and follow his instructions. And that is the role of fatherhood. Thank you, Generation Life Church. All right. Good morning. I'm going to try to make it without crying. Is that okay? Because, um, you know, Father's Day is, is a hard one for me, um, as, as it could be for many. Um, I have five children. I have David would have been 12. Susan Alejandra would have been 11. Um, Sam is 10. Sarah is uh, 8. And Andrew is 30. And... Uh, and God has been really, really good to me. But I've learned a lot of things in, in, in raising up that, that, uh, that gap and that, that whole um, spectrum of, of kids. And, um, and even, uh, you know, having a dad that passed maybe uh, about 10 years ago. So um, here are some things I wish someone would have told me. And I think that's, that's uh, I, you know, I'll start with this. I have ADD, so I'm going to start reading <laughs> so I can stay focused. You know, my dad was awesome. He was always there for me. He was a role model of a dad. He was the ultimate provider. He cared for my mom in many ways. These are things I wish I could say about my dad. But truth is, he had his own challenges. Today, we would have resources for his uh, PTSD from the Korean War and from jumping off one too many airplanes. Yet when I was able to reconnect with him before he passed, I was able to forgive him for many things. Uh, the Lord led me to see him as a human, as a man, not just my dad. Yes, he made some bad decisions, and I've come to understand that I make some of my own too. Today, I can sit back in reflection and say, man, we had many more things in common than we did differences. I definitely understand him more today than ever. Yet here are a few lessons I've learned along the way. Um, separating the emotion from my dad and seeing him as someone needing Jesus allowed me to see that even my dad is deserving of God's grace and love. Forgiving him then allowed me to see him, uh, to, to see within myself and understand that I had some gaps to fill. Um, so I, I went to work on me. I read books, listened to sermons, went to counseling, men's retreats, men's groups, men's Bible study. I surrounded myself with godly men that could help me steer this thing called life, uh, but that wasn't enough. 
You see, I felt like I was doing everything I could, um, but, that wasn't, uh, but I wasn't being the best man I could be until God revealed to me a couple things, something I wish someone would have simply sat me down and told me the truth about being a man. Uh, I have read 1 Corinthians 13, 11 many times, but it did not speak to me until I was fully aware of what I was reading. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the way of childhood behind me. You see, I had a decision to make. Being a dad man, I had to, frankly, man up. Except I didn't know what that looked like. It was not the image of my dad for sure, but that's okay. One thing I did realize uh, when I looked closer at the role at myself, I found I just needed more of Jesus. Uh, he spoke through me to, uh, through Psalms 2-7. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Which then brought about another lesson. I share the title of father with the big guy. This is hard. Being a father is hard. Um, so what is a father? A provider, a protector. You see, as men, we are providers and protectors of what we love. Everything a man loves, he will take care of it. He will provide for it. He will protect it at all costs. When something happens that we can't handle, we go crazy. We want to fix everything. And yet I had an, an internal dilemma trying to be a provider, protector, lover, and dad. T.D. Jake says it this way. If a man is at home all the time and he's a breadwinner, that's a bad sign. The problem with being a father is that you can never give it 100. If I give you time, we don't have money. If I give the money, we don't, you don't have me. I can't be there and earn a living at the same time. I'm limited. I have an obligation to make sure your life is better than mine. The difficult part of being a father is that everybody wants it now. The kids want it now. The wife wants it now. The job wants it now. Opportunity is now because your early years are your earning years. I wish someone would have just told me the truth. This road isn't easy and ain't for the faint-hearted. This calling is hard. But he gave me the opportunity to be a dad because he knew that I would need to draw from the well of living water daily, weekly, to get the energy and strength to lead my family. He knew I could do it. He knows I'll drop the ball here and there, but his love and grace will somehow cover my gaps and fill my kids with everything they need. I know that. But there's one thing that has happened along the journey of discovery. Somehow I lost my joy. When we were growing up, did you ever think your wives prayed? God, I hope my husband is boring and disgruntled man. Of course not. However, over time, life happens and has happened. Loss, failures, disappointments, work, responsibility, the weight of being a provider and protector comes and starts chipping away at our inner childhood. John Tyson has a statement that reads, 
your older missional disciple is pushing away your inner child that needs healing and blessing. When we stop playing, we start dying. We are more serious than God is. Is the joy of the Lord our strength? Nehemiah 8.10, do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If we find ourselves not having strength, the joy of the Lord is missing. If we are faint at heart and are down about life, the joy of the Lord is missing. How do we gain the joy of the Lord? By seeking more of his Holy Spirit. For the word says that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Men, life comes at us like a roller coaster. We bear a weight that some do not understand. We won't share that much. We won't share about our stresses, though. Hence, it's commonly known that men do die sooner than women. How can we change that? Let our prayer be, Lord, bring us back to a place of joy. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Our kids need to see us enjoying life. Our wives are begging us to laugh with them and have maybe some bedroom Nerf gun wars. I said that. It's defiant joy, and I call it defiant joy because the life of responsibility can make us dull. But we have to intentionally say, I choose joy today. I will not be the grumpy old man. I will practice joy. Men, to recap, number one, let's forgive our dads. He's human too. And God's grace and love is for him too. Being a man is hard. Being a dad is hard. This just means the only way to get through this journey is with Jesus, who will give us the wisdom and the strength to keep going. And three, Practice defiant joy. Maybe life has been hard, but today, for the sake of our family, let's choose to practice joy. Let's close our eyes. Lord, thank you for your word today. As we shared our hearts, Lord, I just felt your spirit here speaking to many men and women, fathers, mothers, dads, men, single men, everyone, got a nugget of truth, Father God, a drop of word in, your, in our hearts for how to be better people and how to be better disciples, how to be better followers of you, Lord. We thank you that you are here and that you've called us to such a time as this. Lord, as we walk from these, these doors today, may you continue to work in our hearts and let us be the best dads and parents we can be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message inspired, encouraged, and challenged you in your walk with Jesus. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in person at Orange High School or online via our YouTube channel. For more information about Gen Life or to connect with us, visit generationlifechurch.com.